Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. It's a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio, and we are excited about today's program. On Farmer Fridays, if you're new to the show, we take your calls and questions all throughout the show. We don't have any set agenda, whatever you want to talk about on your farm. If you've got agronomic questions or just an update about how planting or spraying season's going or how your crop's looking, we would love to hear from you. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. And again, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, got my brother Brian joining us by phone today. Brian, you ready to dive right into the mailbag or you got anything big you want to talk about? No, go ahead. All right. It's the mailbag. Okay, I uh, got an interesting question here. This one comes in from, from Jeff who said, all right, guys, due to a sprayer failure, I did not get my UAN on pre-emergence on about 100 acres. And now at V2 corn, I used a T-Jet seven-hole stream nozzle and put 30 gallons of 28% with 3% sulfur on the corn. It's roughly V2 across the field. On Tuesday then, the day after, I post-emerge sprayed the corn for weeds with a combination of Roundup, Realm Q, which contains mesotrione and rimsulfuron, and atrazine. And now it's uh, Thursday, and so this email came in last night. He said, and the corn looks a little sick. Definitely there's been some burn out there. Can I expect a stand loss or yield loss from this, and how soon should I really make that determination? Well... Just because a plant is stunted, that doesn't mean you've lost yield. Now, do I like seeing the plant stunted? No, but it's not, it's probably not the end of the world. First of all, I, please don't spray around you again. I don't like it at all. I don't think it's a good herbicide. It doesn't kill most of your weeds because it's an ALS uh, and it's hard on the corn. So yes, they've got a safener in there, but when that corn is already damaged, then I, it's just going to make things worse. So I would never, I've never recommended it once, nor will I. So in the future, let's work on something different that would cost similar money that would get better results and be safer for the crops. That's the first thing. The second thing is, Darren, what did you say? How much he sprayed this 30 gallons of fertilizer right over the top of the crop? He he used a seven hole stream nozzle. So that's, that's putting it out, um, you know, some straight up and down, some out to the side, whatever, but uh, you're putting out streams. It's a little different than a stream oh, bar. Stream you're gonna nozzle. stream. Yeah, you're gonna have yeah, more that's gonna I hit know. the plant still, than a stream nozzle. But yep, yep. I still don't like it. Our guys have tried that on our own farm, and I said, no way, never again. I don't like it. Too hard on the crop. So in the future, I, I mean, what I would do is I drag hoses, or I'd use Y drops, or something like that, so you can totally avoid the plant. So that's where you're going to have the best crop safety. But anyway, to answer this specific question, I would say you're, you're, you're going to see that crop start to come out of it probably in another week to 10 days, if not sooner, just depending on the weather. What you're looking for is warm and especially wet weather, and that will help that plant recover more quickly. But, I mean, at this point, there's nothing you can do. So I just say in the future, you want to try to find a program that isn't going to be quite as harsh on that corn and and we can help you with that if, if you ever get in a bind in the future so really for any of our listeners if if you said boy i i i didn't get a chance to get this done i got this question just call us 
or send us an email or whatever, and we're more than happy to at least give you a second opinion on whatever somebody else told you. But I, 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 I think your corn's going to be fine. But yeah, I can see how you dinged it up a little bit. And the good thing is it's at V2. And we talk a lot about if you're if you're yep. uh, going to be spraying stuff out there and taking any chances at all, do it by V2 if you can. <laughs> that way you just got some leaf material above ground. If you fry it off, it's not the end of the world. And you aren't at a critical stage for that plant determining yield potential yet, but you're getting close. All right. Thanks for right. the question. I really appreciate that, Jeff. Uh, this one comes in from Bradley. He said, I, I just saw Iowa State did some work with cover crops and authority and the authority not necessarily getting to the soil by spraying it on bigger cover crops where they did late termination. Right. Uh, I'm just yep. curious, would the same data, do you feel the same data would be true with other pre-emerged soybean herbicides like yep. Metribuzin? Would yep. that get absorbed yep. into that cover crop? And then how do you overcome that? Do you, If you didn't get your cover crop terminated early, can you just run a higher rate or, or what should you do? Higher rate, more gallons of water, you could go mow off the cover crop. But, I, I mean, we want that cover crop either terminated early or you got to spray that pre-emerge herbicide early because otherwise, yeah, if the cover crop is big, it is going to absorb some chemistry, some residual chemistry, and that can be a little problematic. Now, some people will say, well, I have that, that cover crop out there to choke out the early weeds. And maybe that works out fine for you. I don't know. Uh, but all I'm saying is if you want whatever herbicide you spray to work well, the cover crop either needs to be small or gone. Now, the other question that Bradley had is, what if that cover crop is dead versus alive? Would the dead material absorb as much residual? I would think the live material would be absorbing a lot more than the dead plants, even if they're the same height. Yeah. I, I mean, I would think that the live material would absorb more than the dead but either way you, when you get when you get big plant material out there or tons and tons of residue you know some of it's going to get tied up so it's going to take a lot more rain to get right. that stuff to uh, to impact your weed right yeah i don't think it's going to make a lot of difference whether it's alive or dead at the time it needs to be small all right uh yeah, lots of questions coming in today, and of course, it, it is Farmer Friday, so here's the deal. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can call in, like Brian said, if you've got a question, and believe me, this year, everybody's got lots of questions, because it's been quite a spring in many areas. Please give us a call. We would love to help you. Uh, 844-44-AG-PHD, or just send us an email, because I know sometimes these things come up, and, and you say, oh, man. Uh, I didn't didn't catch the show till later on, or I, I didn't get a chance to, to send you something or call. No problem. Radio at agphd.com is our email. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. 
Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting live from the Morton studio, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Tony Wendler on right now with Farm Shop MFG. And if you have grain storage questions or you're thinking, how can I get more bushels out of that bin? You can. We had so many farmers that we talked to last fall that harvested dry soybeans that we're able to use bin fan controls and other tools to improve that moisture percentage and sell more pounds of grain. It's fantastic. We've really liked this on our farm. It's also allowed us to harvest wet wet soybeans or corn and dry things down naturally in the bin too, which is great uh, and saves us and makes us a whole bunch more money. But now the next question for Tony uh, is, what do you do with that grain, and how do you keep it in good condition as we head into summer months? So, Tony, thanks for joining us today. Hey, appreciate it, Darren, and good question. This is something that uh, people really need to start to keep on top of with the uh, with the heat of summer and the uh, solar warming on bins on the skins. It things can happen fast in a bin, so they they need to really be thinking about what goes on. and And we talk pretty regularly about keeping the uh, core grain bin temp within uh, 10 degrees of the outside temp. My personal thing, I'm here in the upper Midwest and latitude close to you. I'm thinking uh, temperatures in the summer, 50 to 80. I want to keep my uh, core temp 65. I'm ventilating it at times when the temperature's around there uh, to uh, get it up to that temperature and then maintain it. So, uh, Components go into the thought process in that. Obviously, we've, we've been working on warming our grain up from winter storage temperatures through the spring to temperatures right now as we're getting into the heat of summer. Periodically, and in the winter, I will typically ventilate uh, my grain about uh, once a month, you know, for about four hours at the, uh, at the storage temp. So like in beans, if it's mid-30s, uh, 
corn I'll freeze, so I'll take it lower, but I'll maintain those temperatures. In the summer, because things happen a lot quicker, you've got the skin heating the uh, outside the south surface, southwest surface of the bin. It can create tremendous variance there and convections. Convections are the things you need to be thinking about. You've got the, the uh, sun heating the skin, driving the temperatures up. You've got the warm air rising. Uh, now you've got, uh, contrast to winter, we've got air going down in the center, rising along the skin. Moisture is going to be moving from that hot grain to cooler grain on the inside, and this is where you get those rotten layers on the south and southwest side in a, you know, five inches, foot and a half, whatever it might be, because that moisture movement. So in the summer, I find myself about every 10 days, a couple times a month, I try to ventilate those bins at that core temperature that I've targeted, 65, um, for a few hours, you know, at least every couple of weeks. The, um, that will do an excellent job maintaining. The other thing that we're thinking about, and like you're talking the bin fan controls, especially in corn, is we can program it with air so we don't further dry it out. Like for corn, we can maintain that corn without over drying the bottom uh, at 15% uh, moisture. So it's one of the issues with a lot of people, especially big bins with ventilation, they'll pull a bunch of 11%, uh, 10% uh, corn out the bottom. Uh, you stop and think what the losses are on that. If you've got very much of that, you've, got, you've lost, you know, three, four, five points of moisture on your corn, and it's the same type of math as beans, except the dollars aren't as big. If we can maintain that, it makes controls add up. So, again, there we're, we're looking with corn that we're not going to turn the fans on if the air is too dry to ventilate that corn. Uh, with beans, it's another, that's a real interesting thing from the point of view, if we turn it on with too wet of air, we'll add moisture. Too dry, we're going to dry it out. So you really need to target your beans to maintain where they're at. One of the things with the the farmers with big bins in our latitude where they freeze the corn, and I've got lots of neighbors with these big bins, they freeze it and they leave it, they'll sell it frozen. I'm really hoping by this time of year that that stuff's about all gone because uh, you look at having a frozen core and a skin that's heating up to, uh, you know, what, 100 degrees, 110 yeah, degrees and yeah. driving... Uh, Driving that heat in? Exactly. That's a huge, huge gradient. Well, I think, Tony, you bring great awareness to something going on on every farm out there. If there if there is grain in your bin, you need to be checking on that, making sure that it's okay, and doing some things to, as you said, raise that air temp a little bit in there uh, just to get it up within 10 degrees, 15 degrees of what the outside air temps are to avoid having condensation and have other problems in the bins. Uh, but, of course, we're still busy trying to get everything planted and as soon as you get planted, we're trying to get things sprayed, but you just have to take those extra few minutes of each day to, to, to watch this and utilize some of the controls that are out there. Check out farmshopmfg.com and find more tools for your farm. Hey, Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Hey, have a great, uh, great weekend. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Uh, let's head down to Iowa. Got Ryan on with us right now. How you doing, Ryan? Good. How are you? Pretty good. You guys, uh, how's planting going on your farm? I shouldn't say, have you got everything in? I should just say, how's planting going along? Yeah, uh, got about one day of corn left, and then we haven't planted any beans yet. So, 
You know, the, the corn planting, and this is something uh, my friends in town, uh, when they, they ask how planting's going, I'm like, okay, once corn's in, then everything calms down. <laughs> and we aren't yeah, as nervous yep, about yep. the beans. Uh, why is right. that, Ryan? Why, why are we so crazy about the corn? Uh, you just, that's the one thing you want to get in. Beans for us, uh, the later planted beans for us last few years have been just as good or better than the early ones. So we're, we haven't been in any hurry, so. Yeah, it's been interesting. I was just having a discussion uh, with somebody in the seed industry today, and they were saying the same thing that you're just saying. They're like, man, you know what? Late planted beans just don't scare me as much. And we were just talking about maturities and stuff, and he's like, are you kidding? I don't tell any of my guys to switch anything until June 10th. June 10th on beans, we're still fine. What's your feeling on beans? Are are you going to plant the same maturity you normally plant, even though you're a little bit later than you'd like? Yeah, yeah. We we, We won't switch anything on beans quite a while yet so yeah beans are so forgiving in that and and especially i mean up here where we're at in the midwest with indeterminate beans we we can get by with quite a bit on the corn did you back off Uh, is this a a normal thing for you do you plan some earlier stuff for a later planting when you get done or or did you have to make some changes uh we've kept everything the same mostly we plant a lot of probably the wheelhouse for us is 108 to 112 so that's still probably fine for us uh, for in, in uh, this area, I guess. Yeah, yeah. For your part of Iowa, that that should be right there because you could push it a little further if you really wanted to. But why take the chance? You got great yield potential in that maturity range. Yeah, we 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 plan a little bit of 114 just to, to experiment with it a little bit. So. So when you when you look at uh, the planting season so far, how have you guys found some spray days? We we've just really struggled here in South Dakota to find decent spray days. It's either been windy or cold or both. Uh, it just it's been crazy. Or wet. Yeah. Or wet. Yeah. Uh, you you spraying you have to go when you, you can this year. There's no uh, messing around. It's got to be done when uh, it's a decent day because the wind seems to be blowing um, more than usual. Well, here we are today again, and and we would be out spraying, but it's twenty mile an hour wind, so we we just can't get anything done with that. So we're working on equipment and and getting ready for the next day that things calm down a little bit. We're spraying the last cornfield now, and uh, we had a little bit of rain last night. We're hoping to maybe get some corn planted here uh, in a little while. So yeah, I well, I'm surprised. So so we had this wind uh, start last night for us, and now it's been blowing uh, through the morning here, and everything's dried back out. So the little little shot of rain that we got is is dried back out, and and yeah, if we had a little planting left, we we just got done, so we're we're in a good spot. But uh, if we had more planting, we we could go today too. So good luck to you, Ryan. We really hope uh, hope everything goes smooth for you as you guys get started on beans and and wrap up this last day of corn. Sounds good. Thank you. Listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. 
Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and it is a Farmer Friday here on the show. I know it's Friday already. It's it's awesome. I'm I'm really looking forward to this weekend. I got a couple of friends with kids that are graduating, and and really excited to celebrate with them. And I'm also happy because we're one of the very few that have gotten our crop in. We've we've come out a couple of years of drought, so even though we've caught some rain. We've been able to keep going, which is not the case all over. So we're very thankful for that today as well. Uh, we're taking your calls and questions here at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's get back to the phone lines. Get Gary up in Ontario. Gary, how are things going on your farm? Pretty good. So how is... How is good. Good. Go oh, I was going to say, how's planting coming up in Ontario? Good. Our corn's all in and most of it's up. And we had a like a four or five day, five day, six day rain out. Uh, and we're back at beans here. We're about third done on beans. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's good news. The The rain is kind of nice because I, I know a lot of folks have talked about some of this corn has gone in in less than ideal conditions and they're really hoping they caught a rain to, to help with emergence. Did you see, do your stands look pretty good? Uh, we, uh, it's just coming out. We haven't really assessed our stand yet. Uh, uh, first stuff for sure is coming out. We shouldn't have any, any issues. It went in pretty decent shape. Uh, we're strip tellers out here. And, uh, yeah, it, it all seemed to go in pretty decent. Awesome. Awesome. That's really good. Now, when you say strip till, do you do strip till across the entire farm or do you have some that, that you have to do conventional or no till on? Uh, we do a little bit of conventional. Let's say if we did a tile project or something like that, or for some reason we chose to, uh, to, uh, do a, a field conventional, but none of those went in the way we wanted it it's so much easier just strip tilling it like we strip till in the fall sure sure uh, hey thanks. let me ask you another question here gary since you mentioned the tile uh you come further west in canada and it seems like tiling might be a little tougher to get done but we talked to guys in ontario and they they tell us how awesome it's been uh how would you classify your tiled fields has that helped you a lot this year uh, yeah, that tiles just, it's just the way you have to do it here. We're in a, uh, anywhere from a Brixton clay loam to a Perth clay loam, a little bit of Brisbane sand loam, but, uh, we're, our tile spacings are down to 25 feet apart. It just makes everything work so much better. Yeah, my brother always says it makes it a lot more fun. And I remember back, if I ever say anything about how much it costs or anything else, Brian quickly reminds me, hey, remember when we were younger before we had tile and how many times you had to go back to some of these fields to get those low spots in? And now we just drive straight through every single field. Yeah, it's, it's been an awful nice thing. So you got uh, some beans yet to go in the ground. Anything else or is that that'll finish her up for planting this year? Yeah, corn and soybeans. Uh, looks like we're right now. We're looking like we got a just pretty small window here, maybe a day. We're not going to get all our beans in for the next rain event. It looks wet for a few days, so we're going to squeeze in what we can and and uh, see what happens with the rain. Yeah, no, no kidding. That's that's been 2022 for sure. It's uh, tiny little windows of go as as far as you can. So, are you the guy running the planter all the time, or you have anybody else that jumps in there? Uh, we've got a couple planters going. It's myself and my son run the planters, and uh, and this, like when it comes to strip till, it's like there's a less a lot less people to watch what's going on. It's, it's so much nicer to Bill, uh, two main guys that are running the planners and seeing what's going on and instead of having a t piece of tillage equipment that's running out somewhere 12 miles away or some of that and he's complaining about something's going wrong yeah yep absolutely no doubt about that well gary good luck to you guys i know you got a lot of work to do in a short period of time so we'll let you run but really appreciate the chance to talk to you today yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm planning a curved headline here, so <laughs> as we speak. There you go. I hear the I hear the alarms going off. All right, we'll let you run, Gary. Thank you so okay. much. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's head uh, down just a little bit, or over. Maybe I should. That's probably a better clarification. Over to Michigan. We've got Daryl on with us right now. Daryl, what's Michigan looking like now? 
uh, kind of sounds like the same as what um, Ontario is. Uh, guys around our area, they're planting beans and corn. Um, the guys that farm my land, they're probably about two-thirds to 75% done with corn. And they, at last I knew they had about 800 acres of beans to put in. And some of those had to be, were about 200 acres was going to be some replants on some beans. I guess they had some crusting issues or something on some non-GMOs. You know, I, I was just talking to uh, somebody here in South Dakota that said they had a little crusting issue on a, a field or two, and we're going to have to stick some more beans in. So that got me out digging, and I saw one little, well, actually two little spots in uh, a field. I think we're going to have enough stand, but uh, it got me thinking about planting population on beans, that for the guys that are cutting planting populations, this is one of the risks that you run is is you could potentially have some crusting out there how about spraying daryl it sounds like it's been uh, a tough thing up in michigan to get spraying done this year too um yeah i i would probably say that but i you know the guys around here they all got big rigs and they can go when they can go they they get a lot done i know um on the field around my house it's going to be beans it's not planted yet and it's about with my land and my neighbor's land that are farming my ground um it's about 160 acres there and they sprayed that boy last week and uh in good condition so they've they've got all their burn down stuff i think pretty much done uh there's a few uh sugar beets that are up in our area and i think those guys are probably a little bit behind spraying um you know with those but um because they've been busy planting obviously too sure sure yep how about alfalfa do you have much for alfalfa where you're at daryl Oh, yeah, there's some, uh, kind of like you guys, there's some big dairies around us. Um, you know, they have anywhere from twelve to 15,000 head that they're milking. And so, yeah, there's a lot of alfalfa that's went in in the last few years around us. And they'll probably start cutting that maybe next week. It's usually right around Memorial Day when they get that first cutting. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's the talk here is how soon stuff will go. And we actually had some new seeded alfalfa on our farm. We've been watching that. It's all emerging, looking pretty good. Everything's everything's good there. And I could actually probably take another rain just to keep pushing yeah. things along. Yep, yep. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear things are going pretty well up there. And I know there's a little bit more corn to get in the ground. What What maturity in your part of Michigan would guys be putting in at this point for corn? Well, we've always been told when 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 we were farming, we we started out with normally about 103 to 105 day, and that was the first we put in. And usually by the end of the season, um, we was down to 98 to 95 days, so um, somewhere in that range. It's you know not not a lot of difference in maturity, but um, I think a lot of guys probably still feel comfortable planting 100 day corn and 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 getting full maturity. The, the, the good news is our soils are warm, and so I know some corn that was planted last week's already popped through. So um, Awesome. You know, we, we've, I, I can roll some fields and, and some sugar beet fields too. So that, that's the good thing is, that, you know, our soils aren't cold and sitting there for two or three weeks. So I think, I think you know, with the, with the warm temps and stuff, I think things will pop and probably catch up a little bit. And, and the guys aren't really, I mean, maybe on corn are a little bit late for the 20th of May, but beans... It's kind of the the sweet spot for us here. Um, 
Yeah, they jump right out. Like you say, they jump right out of the ground when you're getting later on in May. And that that often seems to lead to some pretty good plant health early on, which I think is a huge advantage, too. So I'm with you, Daryl. I don't think there's any big disadvantage right now. I don't think we're giving up a lot. And I think we still have have great potential with this year because, man, you could actually make some money uh, farming for once. That's kind of a nice thing. Well, the sad news is on the backside, everything else is, is went up too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's short-lived. It's always, it's always I mean, short-lived on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I was listening to a podcast from a couple of weeks ago that you guys had and you were talking about on your field day farm and how something got dinged and you went back out and replanted and, and still had, you know, 200 plus yeah. bushel corn. Yeah. So you just never know. No, that's never for know. sure. Well, Daryl, thank you so much. Really appreciate yep. talking to you and good luck to everybody up in Michigan. Okay, thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we'll be right back after this. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at soilwarrior.com. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Yeah, I'm Wayne Bossman. I was very impressed how they came up quicker and they're just better stand and really looking forward to using them this year. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. 
Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. What a spring we've had in a lot of different areas and certainly a lot of a lot of things going on out there. So if you got a question and you have something you haven't seen before, we'd love to try and help if we can. Let's head over to northern Wyoming. We've got Leon with us right now. How's it going, Lee? Good today. Uh, balmy 30 six degrees this morning oh, goodness and that's coming our way too i know we dropped from i think we were 85 and then uh within just a couple of hours we were 60 and uh now it's in the 50s and the wind is blowing 20 miles an hour or more coming straight from wyoming so it's it's heading this way we know it uh so so what's going on with your corn lee uh so we uh just got we're just finished planting corn up about a week and a half ago uh I'm new to corn this year, and just uh, we most people seed about thirty-eight to forty-two thousand population, and uh, I was just wondering. Uh, we're shooting for two hundred to two hundred and fifty bushel corn, um, and you guys talk about seven to ten thousand per bushel of corn. Is that a planted population or? Is that a, a final stand count? Well, I guess you can look at it either way because we want to get almost everything that we put in the ground we'd like to come up. And ideally mm-hmm. you're planting some corn that's got 95% warm germ or better and we're planting it now in mid to late May. We should have a great stand as long as we take care of disease and insects. So let's just say that you're putting in 40,000 on average, we'd be shooting for, mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, 280 to 400 bushel corn at that point. So I'm assuming this is irrigated okay. corn, Lee? Yes, it's uh, all flood irrigated and under pivot. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, you some, know, and, some of both. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely play around and do a little experimenting, especially as you're new to corn with what's going to work for your mm-hmm. area. I mean, for me, if I was shooting in that range, I'd be looking at 30,000 population rather than 40. And I, I think you'll uh-huh. have plenty of stand out there to to get the yields that you're that you're trying to get. What, what I look for on hybrids is just their ability to, to flex that ear so that ear size can get a little bit bigger if you're planting a little lower population. And if you end uh-huh. up with dry conditions, because uh, I know we've got some some friends over in uh, eastern Wyoming that that they had some irrigation problems in their area over the last couple of years. And man, when the water shuts off, uh, Wyoming is a tough environment to, to raise a crop in. Even even if you do have irrigation water, it's not easy. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I applaud you for giving it a try because uh, it can be successful in Wyoming, no question about it. Well, thank you, Darren. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, on the on the flags, uh, we grow in twenty two inch row spacing versus thirty inch. Oh, okay, awesome. Uh, that helps for 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 beets and uh, dry beans. Is that's just how the equipment's set up? It, 
does that affect the airflex at all? Or You know, uh, what's nice about 22-inch rows, and, and we plant in 30-inch rows because, well, we're corn and soybean guys, and that's that's uh, mm-hmm. the equipment that's used here. But you're right. When you get into sugar beets and, and different crops, they end up with some different row spacings, and that helps spread that population out a little bit. So, yeah, a 30-inch 30, 30 row, and if I was planting 40,000, probably have seed just all the time, uh, where in a 22-inch row you can space those seeds out a little bit more. So I do like that. So that should give you some advantage, I would think. Okay. And, and it Thank allows you. you to canopy those rows closed sooner, conserving your moisture, which is awesome for where you're at as well. Uh-huh. We, we need it this year. So. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you do. Well, and we'll see. We'll see what kind of summer we get. You guys have been, been pretty dry the last couple of years here too, correct? Yeah, dry and really, really cold and windy this spring. Yeah, it's it's been unusual. I know uh, I heard some weather data out of North Dakota, and they were saying it's been the coldest, uh, uh, latest for spring to arrive up there, I think, ever. So that's that's not a good wow. sign. And, of course, you see guys catching all kinds of snows and everything else where, uh, boy, I wish, I wish it was uh, a little bit different. But I guess we just got to farm with what it is. Yep. Hey, just out of curiosity, well, thanks, Lee, what, what maturity corn did you plant in northern Wyoming? Uh, it's, uh, for grain corn, it's a 89 and 91 day. Okay. Um, and then our silage corn, we're shooting uh, for 105, 108 day corn. Okay. Excellent. Um, mo- the... A lot of uh, Pioneer 91-98 is a lot of the grain corn. Just, okay. It's done well for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just always curious about maturities, and, and uh, I know where you're at. you got to shorten it up a little bit if you if you don't want it to be super wet at harvest time. So that makes a lot of sense, and you got a lot of yield potential still around 90-day corn, which I know for yeah. our listeners that are in the south, they're like, wait, 90-day corn. <laughs> Yes, 90-day corn can still pop uh, 200 to 250 that Lee's shooting for in Wyoming, no problem. We're, we're trying. So. Absolutely. Well, hey, if you got other questions, uh, please let us know. Lee, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Thanks, and good luck to you. Uh, let's go a little bit further south than Lee in northern Wyoming. Let's head down to southern Texas. We've got Franklin on with us right now. Franklin, please tell me you guys are catching some rain. <laughs> Oh, kind of. <laughs> and uh, we finally broke our nine-month streak of no rain oh. about three weeks ago with about a three-quarter of an inch. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's not nothing, but oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's been something. Uh, so uh, irrigation, just super, super important. How, how are guys coming? Are, are you putting lots of crop in, or are there some folks holding out just waiting to, to see if it's ever going to rain? Nah, it's it's standard business as usual this year. I mean, it irrigations with what we've got in, in the the direct area I'm in. It's it's supplemental. So unless we get some rains, I mean, we can grow a crop, but your your ROI is just going to tank. You're not going to make what you've got in it by the time you pay the wells. Sure, sure. I think about it too in in some of these areas where uh, where there's either crop or it's it's virtually desert uh do you have insects just coming after your crop like crazy there no not really uh in the last 10 years we've only ever had a an army worm threat one time and it didn't it made it 
200 miles away. So it, it didn't even get really down into this area. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, then it's just rain that we've got to be got to be worrying about at this point. So, what are what crops are you putting in right now, Franklin? What 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 have you got in the ground? Uh, well, we don't have anything in the ground yet. I'm actually just hooking the planter up today. But all we run on our farm is cotton. That's that's all we do. We don't rotate with anything else. All right. So, talk to us about that because the the cotton market is has certainly been interesting. And and then you look at all the different traits that that guys are putting in in cotton. What's what's the primary ones that that you're using? Uh, up until the last couple of years, we've been running FiberMax. That's that's pretty much the only variety we run. Which we're in a production seed program with them where they catch the seed coming off of our cotton that once it's run through the ginning process and then they'll treat it you know deal in it treat it bag it and resell it as fiber max seed oh interesting but uh we've been running we've been running fiber max the last oh lord nine ten years and had amazing results out of it we're actually looking at switching uh we're, we're having so much trouble either getting the chemical or killing with uh liberty and roundup because there's so much stuff now that it, in this area it just doesn't want to kill. And yeah. Liberty doesn't work too well with where we're at because we don't have a lot of humidity. And we found that Liberty doesn't really like dry conditions. I, I agree with you on that, Franklin. And we aren't as as dry. Well, we've had a, an extreme drought the last two years. We're just finally catching yeah. some rain now. And we found the same thing, especially last year when we didn't have humidity. It was really hard to get Liberty to work. Yeah, and luckily they're they're finally coming out with more of the Banville Ready and Dicamba Ready cotton. Sure. And we're actually looking at switching this year, being that it's dry. We're we're gonna stick with one of the the less expensive Fiber Max varieties. It still makes really good. It's what we plant on our dry land every year. We're just doing that across every acre because it's so dry. Sure. And yeah. next year we're looking at switching over to one of the Banville Ready and and starting to run some two four D. Well, it's going to be kind of interesting to see as you switch chemistries up uh, how that works out for you on the weed control. I think you're on the right track, though. It's going to be a good deal. Hey, Franklin, we got to run, but really appreciate hearing from you, and we'll keep praying for rain for you guys down in Texas as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. 
Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head back to the phone lines. And, man, we got a treat. We got Jimmy Frederick down in Nebraska with us. Jimmy, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm hoping this is the year I don't have to plant three acres of soybeans to catch up with you on one, but we'll see. We'll see how we do here. I am hoping you have massive yield. Don't get me wrong. I'm just hoping I get some massive yield too. Have you already got those beans in the ground or are you still waiting? Uh, I'm still waiting. Uh, probably be tomorrow. Um, been struggling all spring, it seems like. Um, new planter issues, getting parts, and it hasn't went well, so... This is the year for you to jump me. It would be a good time. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here because I don't think that late planting on beans, and, and granted, hey, it's the 20th of May. It's not super late yet. But do, do you feel like that planting date is a huge deal for you, or or would you say, nah, we still can we still can crush it? Oh, when I hit that 148, they were planted uh, May 19th. So I think it's still on the table, but... It also, Mother Nature controls the ending factor, um, what kind of curveball she's going to throw towards the end of the growing season. So, Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it can make a huge difference if we're catching the sunlight, if we're getting some timely rains, those kinds of things. How about on the fertility side? Do you put a lot out up front, or do you have to wait where you're at to, to kind of spoon feed it through the season? Uh, I, I, I do a little of both. Um, I'll run 12 to 15 gallon starter and furrow, um, and then I'll two by two um, some bios. Um, on corn, it'll be 28 percent and some zinc calcium through the two by two. But then I'll just follow the tissue, kind of. 
Yeah, see see what that plant's doing. Hey, you mentioned calcium, and that's one when we talk to a lot of farmers, they'll they'll talk to us about zinc, and they'll certainly talk to us about nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur. But I don't hear too many guys other than liming talk much about calcium. How big a deal is that for getting nutrients in your crop and just having a successful soybean crop? I find it uh, a really big deal. That's rarely, I mean, quite frequently overlooked. Um, it really helps build the structure of the plant. Um, plays a big role in the diameter on the stem of the bean. Um, so I like to get it in early. Yeah. Get it going. What do you see? Like, say you were walking in in uh, someone else's field, and you said, "Boy, I, I can see that you guys could benefit from calcium." Is that stem diameter one of those things, or is there something else that you'd be looking for on the plant? Oh, that's a lot of it. Um, but up early, you know, it, it's tough early on. Later in the season, you can see the deficiency of a little bit more. But um, what I've seen in the beans between the calcium and the zinc is a huge difference stem diameter now we're talking Even with truck changes a little sure sure uh we're talking with jimmy frederick down in nebraska for for farmers who aren't familiar with jimmy uh he mentioned it and he's he's pretty humble but he mentioned you know i did have 148 bushels planted on may 19th so it can be done no doubt about that and the thing is you you say well how's he doing that he's not doing it in my experience anyway what i know and you can tell me if i'm wrong jimmy he's not doing it by overloading plant population he's doing it by just loading up every plant that's out there with pods so you aren't worried about a super thick uh, planting population. How do you get so many pods on each plant? Oh, you can kind of trick the plant a little bit, but the main thing is just trying to pay attention to what will overexcite it so we don't want to elongate it. Um, so I wouldn't apply any in unless it's absolutely necessary, but with the use of the right biologicals, you shouldn't have to apply any in anyway. It should have sufficient amount of in produced but it's um yeah i plant everything around 70 75,000 30 inch rows and you can still hit 100 on normal production with that pretty easy so yeah it is pretty neat and and i know you've talked before on the show about just some of the trials that you do and planting at really low populations just to see which beans are going to bush out for you better than others there there's a lot to it in that plant structure and of course we're talking to one of the best at at uh, managing that jimmy frederick jimmy thank you so much we really appreciate having you on and good luck to you here as you you get back out there in the field thanks buddy appreciate it you bet talk to you later Low population soybeans and and just maximizing what each of those plants uh, does it's it's pretty neat. Uh, I, I like I like talking to Jimmy and, and seeing what he's doing and like he mentioned on regular production ground where he's not uh, throwing a lot uh, extra at it or spending a lot of extra time out there. He's still able to get over a hundred and uh, and where he is putting that attention to detail in man 140 150 bushel beans. That's pretty cool, uh, especially at today's prices. Wow, it's a lot of a lot of dollars, no doubt about that. All right, let's get back to the Ag PhD mailbag here. And we got a question that came in from Scott. He's wondering about corn population. 
Uh, he said, I was listening to your show the other day, and you guys mentioned reducing planting population in corn as we get a little bit later in the season. I'm in southern Manitoba, and I'm growing 75 to 79-day corn. Uh, just wondering, what are the economics of a lower planting population with this short season corn? And uh, now we've got an even shorter season this this year. Hey, Scott, thank you so much. Really appreciate the, the question. And yeah, you're right. We did say uh, we typically back our population off just a little bit, not a huge amount, but we back it off just a little bit as we get a little bit later in the season. And at 75 to 79 day corn, I, I'll say this because I've been in that uh, market for, for quite a while. A lot of the hybrids there don't have a huge amount of flex and you're going to hear companies say, oh, we got a pretty fixed year with this one or that one. So do, do be a little choosy about which hybrids that you get. But we look at that seven to 10 bushels per thousand seeds that we're putting in the ground as kind of some realistic goals. So let's just say that you're at a, uh, let's just say 20,000 population. I don't know where you're at. You're probably a lot higher than that because you got some nice ground up in southern Manitoba. But say it's 20,000 times 7, that's 140 bushel corn, or times 10, that's 200 bushel corn. So 20,000 population, we'd be shooting 140 to 200 bushel potential. And you know, as you look at that, uh, we're going to have to do things just a little bit different. So when you've got a lower population um, you've got more space for those plants. They can catch more sunlight. All those things are good. There's less plants that are fighting for um, the the water and nutrients and so forth that are out in your field. So those are all the positives. The downside of planting a lower population is that you're going to have more weed pressure popping through. So as you're planting late, hopefully you've got that first flush of weeds already coming that say, man, I can wipe out that first flush. That's a good deal. I can still get a residual herbicide out there. That would be super important if you're going to cut back on population at all to make sure you just don't have any weed competition out there. And if you can keep that field weed free, up to at least 12 inch tall corn that really helps in terms of your yield potential that you're maximizing what you can do with that corn. So that's what I'd say. Yeah. I, Hey, there's still yield potential in that 75 to 79 day corn. Uh, I've seen guys get 250 bushel corn when it's been highly managed. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys successfully getting 150 bushel corn without doing, you know, a whole bunch of extra things, just managing nutrients and, and weed can weed insect and disease control. Well, Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for the question. Hopefully that answers it for you, Scott. Really appreciate it. Um, now one more question I want to get to here before the end of the show, and this one came in from Michael, and he said, "Guys, I'm planting sweet corn, and I'm wondering post-emerge what I can do for weed control." Okay, first of all, if it's Roundup ready, which I'm guessing it's not by your question here, grass is going to be the big thing. So I'd really like to see residual control out there. So if you're using one of the group 15 herbicides, uh, like a metolachlor or an acetochlor or some of those types of active ingredients to, to keep grass down, grass tends to be one of the worst things that we see out in sweet corn patches. So if we can keep the grass down. That's great. And you can add those post-emerge up to about 11 inch tall corn on field corn. Uh, I'm not sure on the label on sweet corn, but I think you can do the same. Uh, so get one of those residuals out there too. We're seeing a lot of guys use uh, mesotrione, uh, which would be an HPPD along with a half pound atrazine, depending on your crop rotation. That'd be pretty safe on the crop. 
and you can utilize that uh, uh, easily. I, I would say you'd want to target getting out there by the time you have five collar corn. Uh, that's going to maximize your yield potential and do the best job for you on the weeds. Thanks for the questions, Michael. We really appreciate that. Good luck with that sweet corn. Uh, for anybody that's a non-farmer listening, that's the kind of corn they eat, not the field corn that we're often talking about. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.